God has been so wild lately. He doesn't seem to listen. He doesn't obey my commands, and we can't even bribe him with trees. He's gotten so out of hand, he may even have to be put down. God is not the problem here. The problem is the people who want to be the leader of the pack. We reintroduce God. We retrain people. You're listening to The God Whisperers. Hello, welcome to The God Whispers. I'm Craig D'Onofrio. And I'm Bill Swirla. We are talking about Law and Gospel yet again. <laughs> we, we will be that's for... All, that's all we ever talk about. Forever now, and a it? day. Hey, you got a new toy. Oh, my iPad. Yes, you did. I, you have, toy. I have a first-run iPad. Yep. Glitches and all. It's great. It's wonderful. Yep, yep. Although, you know, this, the, there's a, there's a, there seems to be a glitch. Uh, the Macworld blog uh, has acknowledged that Apple has acknowledged the glitch. So, uh, It's the Wi-Fi glitch, right? Yeah, what it does is it drops off when you're on a wireless network. It just sort of arbitrarily drops off and then asks you for the password again. Mm. But I claim, I claim at least partial responsibility for the workaround. I, I I put it up in the Apple Discussions uh, forum. The, 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 all you do is just put her to sleep and wake her up again, and um, it, it's back on. Well, congratulations! You are more than a chemistry geek now. I, you are I am an iPad geek. geek. Yeah, just 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 put it to sleep and wake <laughs> it up, and it's back on. Uh, now that's hardly a, a, a you know a pleasing solution, but uh, it does. Uh, yeah, it probably points to where the problem is. But for all you iPad users out there, you know the thing is, it seems to be self healing because ever since I started doing that, it's not doing it very much at all anymore. And I I don't know. I've had it on the uh, church's network all day. And it's not dropped off once. Well, it's a holy network. That's why. Aha. Sanctified. At home is a little bit different, but uh, I, I, I didn't buy this. I hasten it. So I, this was this was a gift. Somebody gave this to me. So how come I never get gifts like this? That's because you hang around with different cut of people. <laughs> you hang around with cheap people. Yeah, I get like a half drink bottle of wine or you know, yeah, Ripley. Yeah, something like I that. You get a gift certificate to In and Out Burger, which is hey, pretty good actually. It, I would knock that. Good no, gift. No, no, In and Out's good. Hey, have you had bacon today? Uh, I had a little, uh, I had a little prosciutto on on uh, on a bagel this morning. Yeah, that's close. That's that's that's, close that's Italian bacon. That'll work. Do you know that one thin slice of prosciutto is twenty five percent of your sodium allotment for the day? <laughs> I, I I mean, sometimes I go with two. Wow, I I don't really care about my sodium that much. I'm I'm not. My blood pressure is good. Uh, I'm I'm low salt all the way. So and I'm on uh, meds for my cholesterol. It's at like you're on meds for just about everything. 123. I believe in better living through chemistry. <laughs> the more you know, pills I can take, the better. I read somewhere that you age like five years for every ongoing prescription med you take. I'm okay with that. That means I get to go to heaven faster than you. <laughs> yeah, you're on the express lane. <laughs> Did you have a good Easter? I did. It was, we're, we're recording it was nice. this the uh, Wednesday of of the week of the resurrection yes. of our Lord. We are in the afterglow here. The absolutely. The uh, you, so you had a, you had a swir- good Easter. Swirl is much more relaxed. I am after. I am completely mellowed out. Yeah, yeah. We we had a real nice service. Lots of visitors. Lots of good music. Heather sang. Stan sang. We had Teo and and Jimmy Joaquin sing a little trio, and it was fantastic. It was really good, and we we. Had some really great visitors that seem to be really excited about our church, and who knows? Maybe we'll actually get five members instead of four. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we had we had a we had an adult baptism at our Easter vigil. Oh, nice! So that was great. And, yeah, uh, yeah. It's always nice to have that. 
Very cool. And uh, our Easter feast was magnificent as usual. I think I've talked about that before. My wife made her uh, leg of lamb, her yeah. roasted lamb and parchment with herbs and feta cheese. Came out nice? Oh, yeah. Yeah. She made a great, great batch of scordelia, too. I don't know whether you're familiar with that or Never not. Never heard of it. Yeah, you're Italian. You, 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 you Italians don't ever venture out, do you? It's just... It's just well, when you have the true Mediterranean food, why would you go anywhere else? Hey, speaking of, we had gnocchi. Gnocchi, is that how you say gnocchi. that? Gnocchi. with with uh, vodka cream the, sauce. The G's silent. It's, it's gnocchi. Just, it's just gnocchi. Mm, with vodka cream sauce. Yeah, that's delicious. Oh, and it was good. Yeah, I don't know the origins of that vodka sauce because vodka isn't really an Italian type yeah, but thing. It, but they're, then adopted. Have, just embrace it. Yeah, you, you know? have the limoncello also, which is yes. basically vodka infused with a bunch of lemons. Yes, so, yes I've had that. Right out of the freezer. Oh, that is good, good stuff. stuff. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, no, we had uh, we had some. Great, but my, my wife made a great batch of scordelia, and that's a, basically it's a Greek dip. Uh, it's basically mashed potatoes mm. is the base for the dip, and then there's other stuff in there. Lots of garlic, lemon juice, um, chopped walnuts for a little crunch. It's really good. But but the key is to roast the garlic because the, most of your oh, recipes yeah. just have raw garlic yep. and lots of it. So it's got a real bite to it. And right. I mean, you just it, you just oozes out of your pores. You roast the garlic, and that is just it's glorious. Well, it gets real mellow. Very mellow. Yeah. Very just really really good. So. Yeah, I I can I I like just roasted garlic on a cracker. Or oh yeah, something like yeah, that. on it's French delicious. bread or yeah, something oh, like yeah, that. You get, get that big elephant garlic. That stuff is yeah. fun. Yeah. So yeah, we had a great feast. Had about 70, 80 people, I think, at our our Easter feast. Oh, that's nice. And um, just just tons of good food. Ran out of food. You know the people in the front, the, the people who you know hit hit the front at any kind of potluck. They they have to be kind of metered out because they're just piling on. <laughs> they pile on heavy. We had we had roast beef, we had ham, we had lamb, we had all kinds. I mean, we had just tons of food. You, you can tell that there aren't Italians in the mix because if there were Italians, you had eighty people, you'd have enough food for three hundred. Yeah, right. <laughs> you never yeah, run out of food. That's right. Everybody's like, got a, a you know big bucket to take home with. Well, them, you, know? you know Greeks too. I would imagine. Yeah, I, I, Greeks have that same sort of food. Party spirit, but you, you can tell that yeah, there, if you scratch the surface, there's Germans running this thing <laughs> because you know it's, it's it's done on the cheap. You have kind of like the soup Nazi guy standing there. One scoop, yeah, one yeah, scoop. No, that's what we, we need. This we need we need the lamb Nazi. <laughs> no lamb for you. <laughs> but it was it was good. We we had a nice full church, and uh, you know it's, it's just a reminder that these great canticles, these great these are meant to be sung by lots of people. Mm. Because the, the the liturgy just works better, you know. I, I mean, I'm not. This, this has nothing to do with with the word of God delivered. It just it just sounds better when you got a church full of people singing. Now uh, on Good Friday, did you guys do a tenebrae service or? I don't do tenebrae. I I, I have it's an beneath aver- you. I have an aversion to yeah. tenebrae. I, I don't I don't like the uh, I I don't like the. Um, the the slamming books and the oh, candles being better, man. What what does it mean? The, the tomb is closed. Well, boom. Apparently, when you close, well, they, a, they close slam the, tomb the with door. The big rock, yeah, yeah, they slam the door. Yeah. <laughs> and 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 what people usually slam the Bible shut or something like that. I just slam a door in this in the vestry there. Oh, oh, really? You slam yeah. a door? Yeah. This this year I slammed it real hard. It sounded like a shotgun yeah. going off. <laughs> <laughs> I think the children no. started crying or something. No, we do the we do. It's out of the agenda book. We do the adoration of the crucified, which is a, a Protestantized version of the adoration of the true cross. Hmm. You know where you pass, where you parade around a relic of the true cross. 
Ah, yeah. So, and where'd you get your relic out of your wood shop? Well, actually, our relic comes from two uh, from two uh, trunks of some Christmas trees past. Ah, yes. Yeah. And uh, this year, I didn't process it because I always get covered with sap. Yeah. And and this thing's now about five or six years old, and it's just it's it's oozing sap at the moment. Well, and you just and put I, on the work gloves. Huh? <laughs> yeah. Or you get it on ceremonial, your vestments too. Ceremonial. You get it on your vestments. You get it all over the place. You need some lambskin gloves. You mm. know, and the, the lamb makes it okay. You know, I could do that. I have I have some old lambskin. Uh, no, I threw those out. My seat covers for my old car, or just some oven mitts would do. Oven mitts, yeah, yeah. No, that look good. Yeah, but <laughs> so I just had it up there. I put some candles next to it. I, I just gave up that procession idea entirely. I, I'm I'm going low church. I think I, I'm getting lazy. Do you guys uh, sing "Shine, Jesus, Shine" for uh, no. Easter Sunday? No, or no, no, like no, 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 no. We sing, we sing the good stuff. In fact, uh, the choir cranked out this Randall Thompson Alleluia, which is a real. That's a difficult piece for a church choir to pull off, and we 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 kind of nailed it. I, I give us about a seven out of ten on that one. Good, not bad, not bad for uh, you know all things considered. But but uh, but we started it, we started the service out that way. There's no pre-service music. And then it's it, all the only word in the whole piece is Alleluia, and then the Amen at the end. But well, at least you don't forget the words. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We we almost got the notes, but uh, yeah, it's all about the notes. It was great. Now we we what else? We had trumpet player a guy named we have a guy Rich. He's, he he teaches high school band, mm-hmm. and uh, he's really good. He's one of the most versatile trumpet players I know. He can he can imitate any style of trumpet from mariachi That's, to classical. You know, brass when done well is fantastic. It really is. Brass when not done well is, is, is painful. Is, oh yeah, it's yeah. Just no, you, you lose the will. And and uh, what is going on? Oh, it sounds it's, like it's, a motorcycle. Yeah, we have motocross going out outside the church. Yeah. It's a nice warm day, so you know people are out there in their bikes, their motorcycles, yeah. and uh, having a good time. We're doing the God Whisperers. Here. We are. You're going to Hawaii next week, are you? I, I am. This Saturday, I am going for seven <sighs> glorious, sun-filled, rum-soaked days. To rum, <laughs> yeah. <right. laughs> nice. <laughs> Wish I could join you for some scuba. I haven't been in the water since, uh, oh, I think New Year's. Just yeah, about, all right? snorkeling for us. Paula can't go down below ten feet. Oh, she still has a tube in her ear. That's tragic. Two years. We get it out of there. What's was it stuck or what's the problem? Uh, Easter two years ago, Saturday night. Of course, it has to happen the night before Easter. It always does. And uh, she's complaining of a headache and an earache, and and she complains all the time about this stuff. And I, you know, I don't know if she just stubbed her toe or if she's actually dying, kind of thing. And she's listening. I know you're out there, Paula. Hi. But so she's complaining. I don't know if it's serious or not. And and so she's really complaining. So about, I think it was 11, 12 at night, uh, we decided to take her to the emergency room. She's sitting in the emergency room. All of a sudden, blood starts to ooze out of her ear. Oh, that's bad. Perforated eardrum. Bad infection. That's bad. So uh, she had to put a get a tube put in her ear. I see. And uh, which really stinks because she's a musician. And uh, her hearing has been damaged from this thing. Yeah, so. that'll do it. Yeah, no, she doesn't want to. She doesn't want to mess with that. Diving is hard in the ears. Yeah, yeah. And I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't do it. now, you know, I have to yell at her all the time to get her attention. <laughs> it's like it's like being a man. But I'm Italian, so that's the way we talk. Oh yeah, that's, no, you guys just yell anyway. By the way, if you're on Facebook and you happen to be an Italian Lutheran, ah, check out uh, the Italiano Lutheran. I joined. Group. Yes, you did. I joined. Your last name ends with a vowel. So I you am. Made an exception. I am the honor. I'm honorary Italian. And you love garlic. Oh, I love so, Italian food, man. Yes, I, you do. That's, it's, 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 that's my go-to cuisine. <laughs> Nothing.
nothing better than good Italian food. I mean, you know, I like Greek and Mediterranean and and uh, you know Middle Eastern and all of that, but but uh, Italian, uh, yeah. every region. It's it's just it, it, it really is fantastic. Italian wines, eh, but but uh, but Italian food, nice, really good. It's hard to you, you know the Sangiovese grape is a good. It's a fine that's a good grape. grape. That's yeah. fine. I've had it. Yeah, good good. Uh, and actually, Chianti, a, a, a real, really good Chianti. a really good Chianti is is a good wine. You know, Chianti gets a bad rep from all those all those those bottles and wicker baskets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you got to go for the classical reserve and well, stuff yeah. Like that. You look it's for the right banding bit. at the top. I mean, it tells you whether it's really genuinely Chianti or not. Right. You look for the rooster. Yep, that's right. And uh, but but no, that. a good a, a good Chianti is is first of all, it's not that cheap. No, uh, but it's it's, it's quite good, quite good. And I actually like a Pinot Grigio chilled in summer. Yeah, that's a nice refreshing wine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, six two six five nine three seventy seven thirteen or that's our phone number. Manly Doctors thirteen. No, that's my waist size. Actually, oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I thought you were going to trim up for your Hawaii thing. Uh, you know, all the babes on the beach and stuff nice like and that. I would shave my back. I got it. Yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that would be just for, just out of courtesy. <laughs> I think it's time for me to start slimming up for summer. I've got my, you know, I've, I've got my winter weight on right now. Yeah, you got to get that six pack rocking again there. That you yeah, I've got. got about a, I got about an eighteen pack. I, I'm, I'm almost up to a case. <laughs> I just, I just rock the keg myself. I used to actually have a, I used to actually have a six pack back back in the day. And then you drank it. Then I drank it. That's right. <laughs> that was, back when I was doing weight training, I, I, I was doing some serious ski for a while when I lived in Northern California. And the best way to keep from being injured downhill skiing is to be in good shape. Yeah. Uh, and sober. That's the other thing, too. I mean, everybody always gets nailed. You know, I disagree with that one. Because, <laughs> you know what, because they, the when, drugs kind of fall sort of... When, uh, when you're, you fall soft. If, if you're kind of drunk, you, you know, you're... you're, you're you're pliable. You're yeah. flexible. Yeah. You don't you don't tense up when you, you hit, kind of you bend know? around the tree. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Troubles you don't see the tree coming is the problem. <laughs> uh, but but no, I, I actually was doing some serious uh, gym work there for a while. Man, it's it's really amazing how when you get strong, how easy things are in life. Oh yeah. You know, like you can open pickle jars and things like that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, now I just give it to my wife. Can you open this? <laughs> or you have those you have those those ergonomic tools that they make. For senior citizens, you know, I'm, I'm starting to use those things. Those are handy. Hey, has she fixed the auto loader on your dishwasher yet? Uh, you know, she came home last Wednesday, and uh, and the dishes yeah, that it's working again. Oh, good. It, good, it's great. I knew she could fix it. And 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 the toilet paper's going back on the rolls by itself again. So nice. all nice. is right with the world. <laughs> uh, email Bill if they want to email us. Forget <laughs> it. Just you know, why bother? I, I say it this by Gmail. Uh, Godwhispers at Gmail dot com. And uh, we are also on the web, of course. The mothership is godwhispers.com or .org. I, I think .com is the actual real address. Either one will get you there. Uh, Facebook, Twitter when I get around to it. I don't twit much. The occasional tweet. tweet. I don't tweet all that much, and, and I, I've not messed with the linkage things. So uh, 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 Before fun. we get into this, I, I want to uh, share a, a note that I got from Travis. Uh, he wants to know... He's kind of new to the whole Lutheran thing, and uh, this poor sap, he he says he's listened to all of our episodes twice. We're gonna have to. He's gonna have to go into some deep programming. I don't. I, I feel sorry for him. I don't listen to him twice. <laughs> I haven't listened to them all once. I edit them and put them away. Uh, anyway, he um, he he 
asked the question, which um, version of the Book of Concord would be best for someone who's kind of new to the whole thing? And oh, uh, I think the Stuttgart BK, BKS edition in, in, in German and Latin is, is the, that's that's the way to go. Yeah, yeah. If your German skills are up, oh, I I love that one. Yeah. That, it's the critical edition. It's got the critical apparatus of all the you know all the all you, the confessional. You need to writing. step away from that crack pipe, my friend. <laughs> just, just put it down and step away. But if if you're talking in English, uh, well, I mean, what do you think? Well, I, I suggested the reader's edition because it has a lot of good background information. Yeah. And, and pictures, which I like, and uh, you know, it kind of says who's who, all of Luther's you want friends the, and nemesis. You want, you and want the Book of Concord picture edition? I'm, I'm waiting for the cartoon edition to come out, preferably on video, so I yeah. don't have to actually hold a book. Uh, but no, I, I suggested the reader's edition because it has all that background information. Tappert's certainly a fine volume. It's got the translation from the German and the Latin, and. Uh, you know, it's pretty good if you're wanting to do a little more critical kind of approach to it. But I think overall, the reader's edition is is a fine work. Yeah, right. Right now, I think there there are three three English translations sort of in circulation. Tappert was the one that you and I studied out right, of, yeah. and and then uh, that's been supplanted, I think, in part by Kolb Wangert. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's that's kind of a new translation, but but it's it's what we would call a scholarly translation. Now, so. I don't own that one. Does does that have the German and the Latin like Tappert? Yes. Or? Yeah. Okay. No. That's what I'm saying. It's it's a scholarly translation, as is Tappert, and that is it's 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 making less of an attempt to be really fluid English as it is to right. get the essence of what's being said accurately. Um, the 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 Concordia, the readers readers um, edition that CPH puts out, is a rework of of uh, an older English translation. I'm not sure if it's the Jacobs or another one, but but it was kind of a rework of that into more contemporary English. But I totally agree. I, I think it's a great volume, and it also has tons of good historical information too, background mm-hmm. stuff and good notations good yeah. good like study notes and things like that so uh, that would be my first choice for somebody who really wants to plumb the depths of the uh, Lutheran confessions is is the reader's edition from CPH there you have it all right so I was thinking there you are. Maybe it'll come out on iBooks. Let me see if it's on iBooks. I'm going to dial that up on my iPad here. Okay. I'm still I'm still hooked up to the internet. I think this is a self healing problem. Now this is kind of creepy, and I, and I I mentioned this on Facebook. But have you noticed that sometimes computers sort of figure it out on their own? What are you doing, Bill? <laughs> Yeah, that's right, Hal. <laughs> they, they, no, it, 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 and I've I have a computer guy in my congregation, and 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 he knows how these things work, and so, and and he'll say, you know, sometimes the problem just goes away. Yeah, no, <laughs> well, that's not a solution. He goes, I know, but sometimes it just goes away. But in the parish, you just seem to collect more of them. Well, that's, yeah, that's different, though. They that, breed. Yeah, th- in, this is, the, this is not computer. Yeah. Computer's easy compared to the parish. Yeah, yeah. Uh, We're going to talk law and gospel Yeah, let's, here. let's get into Thesis 7 here. You want to? 7, in the third place. Third place. Um, now, the first place, well, we're not going to go back, but, you know, from here on out, Walter is basically, he's, he's teaching by negative example. <clears throat> So, which I think is unfortunate. I'm going to go on a 30-second a, a rant here. Okay. And, and that is that... Wait, wait. Begin. Uh, okay. <laughs> I, I, I think 
this work would have been a lot better if, if he would have given us clear examples of how law and gospel is rightly divided instead of giving us about 22 examples of how it's wrongly divided. Uh, this is a little bit like you train, you train uh, bank tellers what real money looks like by handling real money. You don't, you don't confuse them with counterfeit. You have them handle lots of real money so that when a counterfeit bill comes along, it stands out immediately. Yeah, you say that doesn't feel right. But if you just give them counterfeit all the time, pretty soon it, all, it just all looks the same, see? And I think, he's given, I think he's doling out too much counterfeit coin here. So all the ways that it goes wrong, and he never quite gets to the way it goes right. Swirlick criticizes. Walker. Yeah, well, that's in my notes here. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this goes in the dossier. In the third place, the word of God is not rightly divided, and you know how I feel about this word divided. Yeah, distinguished. It's distinguished, right? When the gospel is preached first, and then the law. Do you do you know what that word is, Auf Deutsche? No. Okay. I could find out, but I'd have to I'd have to exit the room and go to my study and get the German edition of this. Yeah, I'd be terrified having to do this by myself for a while. Sanctification. So, uh, so when the gospel is preached first, and then the law. Sanctification first, and then justification. Faith first, and then repentance. Good works first, and then grace. Right. Hmm. Right. I agree with Walter here, but I know you got a beef with him. Well, you know, I'm not sure if I have a beef with him. I, I understand what he's saying. Uh, what he's saying positively is that you cannot talk about good works unless you have established faith. Okay. Okay. I agree. Or you cannot talk about sanctification unless you have it anchored in justification. Correct. Um, and, and so all of that. Uh, however, I, I think... One could one I, I could envision how one could say start out talking about faith, and and then and then you know moving on from there. I I I don't think these. Well, let me let me let me get cut cut to the chase here because okay. in the same thing he's got examples of what he calls incorrect sermon outlines. <laughs> so let's see how many of these you've done. Uh, uh, incorrect outline nice. number one. The way of salvation. It consists of one, faith, two, true repentance. He says a perversion of this kind would constitute would, would constitute you genuine antinomians and hernhooters. <laughs> I'm definitely a heron hooter. Yes. I don't even know what that is, but I like the name. Is that a, is that a place that sells wings and has? Uh, no, never mind. Uh, but but but. Um, <laughs> So one faith, two true repentance. I'm trying to find where you are on my interweb version. Uh, this would be the 11th Antinomians evening lecture. Agricola, Eisleben. Oh, Herrenhuter. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Moravians. Yes, yes, yes. Says here. Yeah, well, some kind of pietist. But, but uh, mm. faith followed by true repentance. <sighs> I, don't, I don't even know what to say with that. The gospel must be preached first. The suffering and the bleeding of Christ must be presented to start with. This was fundamentally wrong. Why? I don't get it. We shall uh, readily admit that the Herrenhooters have made an impression on many, but it was a mere surface impression. Their hearers were never made aware of their deep sinful depravity. Oh, so it's kind of like a gospel reductionism kind of thing? Uh, okay. 
uh, and were never made to realize that they were enemies of God, worthy to be cast down to perdition rather than to be saved. By the way, when we use the term gospel in this connection, we refer, of course, to the gospel in the strict sense, the term namely opposite of the law. Yeah, okay, now see, then this this incorrect sermon outline, you could understand correctly this way, that, that one faith, two true repentance, repentance meaning contrition. Because sometimes in the Bible, repentance means contrition and faith. It's, okay. it's together, you know, the, 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 so, so um, you know, the call to uh, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Um, that's a call both to be contrite and to believe. Or I think you mentioned when we were talking before we started recording that, that uh, it's God's kindness that, is to, that leads you to repentance. Right, Romans 2. What but, is that, 14, something But, but like that's, that? that's, um, that, that's not just repentance under the law, but that's also, that also includes faith. Now, I think that it's important, and I think what you're, what you're getting at here also is how to rightly define that Greek word metanoio. Well, yeah, and, that, that's behind it. Is 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 what does it mean? What what does it mean to repent? Right, and and as with many many Greek words, it, there are primary, secondary, and even tertiary meanings to these things. Uh, in one sense, that word is to have a change of heart, or to be well. You know, met, metanoia of, etymologically means to have a change of mind. Right. Well, change of mind, change of heart. Same, I, same I like idea. to I like to paraphrase it as a, to have a recognition. <laughs> right. Yeah. Exactly. And because because when when you recognize, then you recognize what is true. Right. And and that's under both law and gospel. So so uh, to have a metanoia is to recognize yourself as sinner, and also to recognize God as being the justifier of sinners. Absolutely. And so you your world is being shifted here. Uh, a paradigm shift in your worldview, if you would. Uh, <laughs> but uh, your your view of yourself and who God is and everything is shifted. And this comes by way of gospel. It's the gospel that, that shifts us. You know, we, we know in our natures that we're sinful. I mean, everyone knows that uh, they do wrong. Uh, but the gospel is the foreign thing. The gospel is a thing that comes extra nose from outside and invades us and changes us. Yeah, I, I like to say there's there's no 90 degree turning here that that uh, because behind metanoia is is uh, shuv the Hebrew to turn, right? Or return. Like return to the Lord your God. Um but but so but that's a 180 degree turn. You were, you were going this way, now go that way. Right. And and so that, that's why I think repentance, when it's properly understood broadly, includes both contrition, that's that's the law part, and faith, that's the gospel part. You know, the law part, you are you are a damnable sinner, deserving to die and be damned. The gospel, God is the justifier of sinners in Christ, and in Christ you you know, you are just and holy. Okay, and but righteous. But are we granted repentance when we're told what sinners we are, or are we told, uh, granted repentance when we're told how gracious God is, or both? Yeah, well, see, that's the thing is if you divide them, then, then, then you run into this thing. Is, is there such thing as a 90-degree turning? 
Yeah, because there's no neutral here. Right. You, you, it's either self or God. It's either death or life. There's no kind of in-between. There's no neutral. And so you, you can't just simply stop it. What, what do you have with the law only, or what do you get with the gospel only? And that's, again, it goes to why I don't like this business of dividing law and gospel. Okay. The, the whole job of the Word of God is to turn you 180 degrees, not 90 degrees. So in seminary, we were taught about the gospel in the wide sense of the word, word and the gospel in the narrow sense. That's different issue. The, the wide sense is law and gospel. So if you talk about gospel in this sense, yes, it's the gospel that, that turns you. No, is but that, that fair? But no, that's a different issue because the word gospel sometimes means the literary form you know that that, oh, well, that there's in, an even third sense that, there. that includes the doctrines of the law and the gospel. But what we're saying here is repentance sometimes means contrition. So Jesus says, "Repent and believe the gospel." So their their faith is 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 taken out of repentance, but but the the order is repent and believe the gospel. Um, but sometimes the scriptures speak of repentance a, that in such a way that it includes faith. The kingdom of heaven is near, or repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. That would include faith. I got to stop you there. We got to take a break. We'll be right back after this. Welcome back to the God Whispers. I'm Craig D'Onofrio. I'm Bill Swirla. We're talking about Article 7. We left off... Thesis 7. That's what I said. Yes. Thesis. Yeah. Same idea. Well, no, article... You know... Article sounds kind of... My mouth is postmodern. It, it, it is. You know, words have no what meaning. Does this when mean? they come out of my mouth, they have no they're, meaning. They're, they're pre-deconstructed. In my head, it makes <laughs> sense. And when they come out of my mouth, it makes no sense. So. <laughs> You're just babbling, in other words. Yeah, more or Let less. Let me fire up my new iPad here. You and your pad. Oh. Now that's nice. That's I like it. It is nice. I, like, I, like I, I kind of like it. Although, so, it, like everything else, Apple, it's kind of overpriced and over. <laughs> it's just over the top. When we left off. But it's nice. What we left off there, huh? And so, what are you looking up there? Um, my checking my email. <laughs> <laughs> I guess it's my turn to talk. <laughs> yeah, why don't you, why don't we, you cover we were, me for we a while? Were, I'm, I'm, we were I'm, trying to understand the the is it the right division of law and gospel or distinction? And if it's the proper distinction of law and gospel, then it's not clearly law or gospel, but it's the effects that both have on the human heart. That is fallen and sinful and depraved. Is that a fair way of saying it? Yeah. Well, that it's always the action of the law and the gospel together. Right. Uh, but but the, they're different things. I mean, the law speaks to the person as sinner. The gospel speaks to the person as saint. Um, you know, there's there's all sorts of ways of distinguishing here. But I think just keeping together and 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 you don't run into trouble. Now, are there some passages in the scripture that are pure law and some passages that are pure gospel? You know, that's a good question. And and we we, we get mail on this all the time. Of and, and a friend of mine just called me last. Last night and asked me to ask you this one, so. <laughs> and 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 I I prefer to put it this way: is is Hebrews speaks of the word of God as a, a double edged sword, mm-hmm. and and so going with that analogy and that that image that metaphor, I, I would say that there are passages that clearly present a law edge, and there are passages that present clearly a gospel edge. Okay. Um, however, I, I would I would also then add that 
never exclusively so. And we've talked about this, just simply the fact of the death of Christ, that Christ died for sinners, is also a word of law. Okay, I'm going to ask you a question here. It just came into my mind. Ananias and Sapphira, where's the gospel in that story? Well, part of the gospel, I think, in that story of Ananias and Sapphira, where both are struck dead for lying about how much money they gave. It sounds like law to me. Is, 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 <laughs> is, it's, it's a reminder. Yeah, and great fear came over the church. Um, but it's a reminder that, that the ministry, because uh, they lied to Peter, uh, to, to lie to the ministry is to lie to Christ himself. Now, the flip side of that is to hear the word of gospel forgiveness from the pastor, from the apostle, is to hear from Christ himself, too. He who hears you hears me. Hmm. You know, and so he who deceives you deceives me. Uh, and because, you know, simply lying to a man is not a big, is not, not really a, <laughs> as big an issue as lying to the Lord. I see this as a case where you're beating it against a rock until the gospel falls out. I mean, you know, perhaps. Uh, <laughs> there's the, the my my point is that that I I don't think you can ever just sit there and and, and just have it purely law. Um and even so it's it's within the context of the book of Acts, which is, you know, that that's going to that's going to be overall a, a a a narrative of law and gospel. Okay. All right. I'll accept your answer there. I, I, I have deemed it worthy of an answer. <laughs> Not saying I agree. On the other but... hand, uh, there's another way to there's another way to address that too. Is that you know the Book of Acts is largely historic narrative that describes what went on, um, but it really does not talk about us. Uh, we're not Ananias and Sapphira. We don't. We we don't. We don't. We're not in the business of selling property and giving all of that to the church, etc. Um, and so, so whatever law is there is not really for us. It was law. Uh, it was God's judgment against the the lies of Ananias and Sapphira. And uh, you know, it, there's no gospel in there in the sense that they. they it's not clear they were forgiven. Uh, you'll have to kind of think about that and ponder that in, in terms of, uh, you know, were Ananias and Sapphira forgiven? Did they go to hell or did they just die? I don't have an answer there's for that. An, see, there's a really interesting question because like in 1 Corinthians 11, there were apparently some Corinthians who got ill and some even died for the, how they were communing, etc. Right. And yet, uh, Paul calls that a judgment so as to avert a condemnation. Right, yeah, that's very important there when you read that, that uh, when you're eating and drinking judgment on yourself, you're not necessarily eating and drinking condemnation. Yeah, a judgment. And right. that, that judgment is you get sick and die potentially, but, but it's, it's to avoid condemnation, the right. catacrino with the world. Well, and, and I think sometimes the Lord will take you out before you can damn yourself. Yeah, it's like it's it's like a preemptory hit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He took a hit out on him. So um but you know, cuz I used to I I had always learned this this business of eating and drinking damnation. And 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 I that's not in the text. It doesn't say that those Corinthians ate and drank to their damnation. No, but they did eat and drink to their hurt. Yes. Oh, yeah. yes, yes. No, no question about it. But, but uh, so, yeah, you know, I mean, if you look at it, if you're going to isolate specific sentences, um, I suppose one could say that some sentences are, are mostly, if not entirely, law. But that's not how you're supposed to read the Bible anyway. 
You know, I mean, we don't we don't atomize it by verses. I hope. No, no, you're absolutely right. I I actually think that uh, when they put the chapter number and verse numbers in, where is helpful to find your place. Uh, very hurtful to church doctrine <laughs> yeah. in the long run. Yeah, well, it does a disservice because it it really encourages you to atomize the text into right. into into verses. Well, even right. half sentences. Yep. You know, a lot of the verses are a half sentence. And and uh, then you you end up with you know verse twenty seven b which is a quarter of the sentence or something like that to prove your point I you know forget everything in its in its midst here let's move on here the second perversion of the true sequence now that's a disturbing word occurs when sanctification of life is preached before justification yeah the preaching of forgiveness of sins for justification by grace is nothing nothing else than forgiveness of sins. I became righteous by appropriating the righteousness of Christ as my own. Huh. Interesting. When sanctification of life is preached before justification. But see, there again, sanctification here is being understood narrowly. And that is sanctification being the fruit of or the result or consequence of justification. Only the justified can be sanctified. Uh, You can also see sanctification used in the Bible in a wide sense where it includes justification. Right. This, this is where people get messed up sometimes. They they, 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 they they think sanctification is strictly just talking about good works or the right. good works that proceed right. from faith. But sanctification, to sanctify is to make holy. Uh-huh. And in the wide sense, uh, we are sanctified by being justified. The, the thing that makes me nervous here is it almost sounds as though you could read this as um, as some in our midst are doing of law, gospel, law imperative, or, or gospel imperative, they call it, which is nothing more than law. And they, and they are speaking as though you can target the third use of the law on people. Yeah. And, and, and that being the, the instructive use, for those of you playing the home game. And so, you know, we're, we're going to say sinners are going to hell. Christ died for sinners. Now that, you're, now that Christ died for you, this is how you should be living your life, which goes back to, but I'm not. And I need a savior, so yeah, see, you end up running in circles. But the thing is, if you're if you're going to talk in specifics about that and really do the uh, when you know when Walter talks about preaching the law and its severity, it, it means not pulling punches on the diagnosis and description right. of the law. Then I don't see the point in going back and revisiting it for instructive purposes because if you've laid it out, you've laid it out in terms of what you do and what you don't do. Right. So that that's my point. Exactly. That's kind of you've covered that base. Yeah. And I mean, and if, somehow somehow you know it's not going to make it more doable if you have a smile on your face when you say it or you sound really happy or you have a PowerPoint with lots of flowers and children on it you know yeah you know fornicators adulterers liars thieves whatever will not inherit the kingdom of God thanks be to Jesus Christ he fulfilled that for you and even though you are such you have been redeemed now you know what Jesus has done for you stop doing it. <laughs> Yeah, but <laughs> it's see, like you're you, running in circles. But you already but, know that. Right, exactly. You, That's you know, already if, been established. If, in the, you won't go to heaven if you keep this. Exactly. You know, if these things are things that exclude you from the kingdom of God and you've been rescued from them, do you need to be told again to not do them? 
Apparently, some people are a little thick in the head. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> That's a little bit like saying, I just got rescued from a burning building by a fireman, and now that I've got both feet on the ground, I'm going to go running back in the building again so I can be rescued again. What are you, stupid or something? Well, it's fun riding in that bucket. <laughs> the, thing, <laughs> the, the thing that's hard for us to understand and hard for us to accept is that we have this double identity, one in Adam and one in Christ, that is one under the law, condemned to die, and, and the other in Christ, uh, granted eternal life and justified before God. And, and see, that's the tough part, is the semel part, the simultaneously sinner and saint. You know, that we don't get. Right. Uh, we, as Lutherans, are often accused of being weak on sanctification. We don't preach heavy sanctification stuff. And, you know, as a matter of fact, some of our friends have made T-shirts that say weak on sanctification and gotten some people quite upset with them. We, you should, we, you should we, never say weak. On, you should never boast about being weak no, on sanctification no, but, because, as you've just pointed out, that's the work of God. Right. That's like saying God's weak on sanctification. No, but I, I am weak on sanctification because I'm not focusing on sanctification as much as justification. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. You know, if Jesus is the author and perfecter of our faith, he's the doer of it. But we are to take our eyes off of ourselves. We are to fix them on Jesus. We are to stop looking at how well we're measuring up today, I think, and start saying, Jesus has measured up this much for me, and I thank him for that. And then Jesus will work through the power of the Holy Spirit, sanctification in us. Is See, that a fair thing to say, do you think? I would, I would say it a little differently. I agree with you that okay. it's, not, it's not looking at yourself. Uh, self never enters into this. In fact, the whole nature of repentance is that the self dies. Exactly. And so we, we look to Christ, but we also then look to our neighbor because our neighbor is is Christ incognito. You know, back to the like the parable of the man who fell among the thieves. Uh, but it's never ourselves. So, so it's the same as Luther saying that the Christian is is Lord of all, subject to none, and he's servant of all, subject to everybody. Right. Or like the Luther's prayer at the end of Holy Communion, that these gifts would would result in faith toward you and in fervent love for one another. And so, so there is a horizontal component to all of this, and that is that is our eyes. No, they don't go back on us, but they go back on to our neighbor. Okay, so then I uh, go out and feed the homeless on Saturday, and I say, gosh, look, I'm, I'm doing pretty good here. I fed homeless people yesterday. You know, I cared for my neighbor like Jesus cares for yeah, me. Yeah, but see, so you're ways. setting up a straw man by doing that. Uh, what, what if, what if I, I just feed the homeless because I've recognized that the homeless need to be fed? Right. See, so there's, there's, that's, that's perfectly fine. That's good. And that's how it ought to be. Um, it, when, when your eyes are not on yourself, then you're also not measuring your good works. You're just doing them because they need to be done. Exactly. That's like, that's like the sheep in the parable of the sheep and the goats. They had no clue that they were doing it for the master. They were just doing it because it needed to be done. Right. That's exactly what I'm trying to get at here is that we do things in Christ simply because they need to be done. We do things because, well, maybe God has opened our eyes to the needs of our neighbors here. But I see no harm in, in reminding people that Christ, you know, Christ is present for us in a number of ways, on the cross to save all, in the sacraments to save us, um, in us to serve others, uh, and in our neighbor to serve. 
And and so, you know, where is Christ for us to serve? He's the man in the ditch, like the Samaritan bent to serve him. Uh, where is Christ uh, for you? Or like Luther talks about us being little Christs for one another. You know, so there, there's nothing wrong with that. It's it's just, I think the implication is that by doing these things, somehow you have made yourself uh, pleasing to God. You, right. You, you've, you've gotten in on God's good stuff. Yeah. And I, I don't know how much I help my neighbors. I know... You know, some people say that I'm pretty kind-hearted and so forth and so on. I, I can point to a few examples of where I've helped my neighbor, but in general, um, you know, just the fact that I tend to like people and, and care about them, I, I guess I'm helping them without even realizing it. And I think that that's a mark of sanctification, that you you simply are being uh, in the mode of caring about others and that sort of thing, and it's simply because Christ has caused that. Um and simply because I know I'm a sinner and I have received God's grace, and I kind of hope that I might be able to share that with others. Here's an interesting paragraph from Walther. It's on the same second thing. Good works is the topic. Uh, bad outline. One, we shall see wherein they consist, and two, that they must be performed in faith. Now, I don't have, the, I don't have a huge problem with that. No. Uh, but he does. Huh. Uh, because it puts faith second, and I, that's his point: is is that um, um, see, I would I would say this that uh, wherein they consist would also uh, could is is also a um, a description of how they don't we they don't consist in what we do, uh, we don't do them, and secondly, they must be performed in faith, which would then bring our attention to Christ. Um, but he he wants to make sure that you understand that good works flow from faith. He says, in such an outline, you would state what good works are without having spoken of faith. A description of good works requires a statement that they are performed by believers. Otherwise, you would have to formulate your judgment on good works from the law. But that's wrong for viewed in the light of the law. Any good work, even of a Christian, no matter how good it may appear, is damnable in the sight of God. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Luther said something similar. He says, God forgives our good works lest they damn us, <laughs> which is, that sounds pretty shocking, but it's right. a reminder that, that there's always the fingerprints of the old Adam. Right. And, well, and, and that goes along with the concept that the only really good works that we do are the ones that we aren't even aware of. But even those, even those aren't... we aren't congratulating ourselves But so even much. those aren't really good, so it would say, Walter would say, because they're done by a sinner. Oh, that's true. Also, yeah, you know, and 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 therefore the so so we can never take even even the most noble of unthinking good works and 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 hold them up before God as good in and of themselves. So then, let me ask you this: What then would be the evidence of sanctification in the Christian's life? The evidence of sanctification, right? Dead air. Well, you asked Thinking. the question. I, I mean, I don't. I, 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 don't, I, I, don't, I don't. I'm not. I'm not sure how to answer the question uh, of sanctification. See, sanctification. You can't. You can't just kind of um, uh, slice up sanctification and justification. You, you might say, "What's the? What is? What is the evidence of faith in a Christian?" And the answer is good works. Okay. I mean, we have a hymn that says that works serve the neighbor and supply the proof that faith is living. Right, and James goes there in well, James just, too. Right? Yeah, he's just versifying James. Right. Yeah. Um, certainly, good works. If 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 you don't, if you have faith, good works will follow. Right. And, and but, uh, you know, if somebody's sitting around talking about their good works, 
I, I pretty much usually say, I'm not so interested in your good works. Tell me about your Savior. Because Mormons have good works. Uh, Muslims have good works, you know, right. according to the world. Right. Now, now James, see, that, that's setting up a different scenario, though. J- James basically says, if you tell me about your faith, that's meaningless. That's like wishing a hungry person to, to be well-fed but not giving them anything to eat. Uh, but but he says, you can talk all you want about your faith. I will show you my faith by my works. So he's speaking horizontally before men. So so before men, works are what counts. And, and only works, because we can't see faith. You can blab on and on about the faith you have in Christ, but it doesn't mean a thing. I, I think of uh, Paul in Galatians, where he's talking about... Uh, receiving from the apostles, and they and they told him just go and take care of the poor. And he says that's what all that I wanted to do in the first place is uh, care for the poor and that sort of thing. I don't know what you're talking about, actually. Uh, I think it might be Galatians two. I'm not sure. Maybe it's Acts. Um. <laughs> I get confused. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been studying Galatians, but I keep flipping back and forth to Acts. But uh, yeah, the apostles pretty much said, by all means, go, and we charge you to take care of the poor. And he says, that's all I wanted to do in the first place, so that's good. Now, if you're talking about what converts the unbeliever, it's not discussion of your good works, because it's not you. Okay. But but it's it's Christ and his works that are, are what uh, create saving faith in somebody, and working faith, for that matter. Sounds good, but it, but if you're going to, <laughs> busy looking for my my pulse, yeah. Here. But if you're going to look for evidence, um, if you're looking for evidence of faith, it's found in works. I know people aren't going to like that, but that's 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 how it is. It's the breath of works, as as breath is to the body, so works are to faith. James says, and so if a body's not breathing, it's dead, and if a faith's not working, it's dead. But then, well, how do you absolutely. how do you revive a dead faith? You don't beat on it with with rules to work. I mean, the only thing that's going to revive a dead faith is a living Jesus. So it's the gospel that does the work. Exactly. What's well, the gospel? It's the gospel that vivifies us to do the work. Right. And you know, it, the gospel. Well, you look at Ephesians two. And it, it says you're saved by grace through faith, not of yourself. But it says you're saved unto good works. But it's good works that God has prepared beforehand for you to do. Yeah, we've kind of talked about that, though. I'm not entirely sure that's referring to your good works there, because it's, it's the unto is epi, which never means unto. It means upon. Hmm. And and so the the upon good works might are might very well be the the works of Christ that God has prepared beforehand that you should walk in them. Now you can go on to Ephesians, you know, four, five, and six, and you'll get all kinds of good works there, but not I don't think in two. Just saying. Okay. Regardless, we are saved to do well, not to do, but saved, and the re, the result of that is that we will serve God and neighbor, basically. Well, you know, Sankbile points out really nice nicely that when we talk about sanctification in the narrow sense. And that is that is the, our, our living out the life of Christ in this life. That's not us, but Christ in us. You know, he calls it sanctification, Christ in action. Right. 
And so, you know, I, I sometimes draw this fourfold diagram where, where, where it's like four concentric circles. And the most, in the most central of the circles is Christ on the cross. That's Christ for all. Then in the second, second layer, you have word and sacraments. So you have Christ in the word and Christ in the sacraments. That's Christ for you. Okay, and then faith receives that as Christ for me, and Christ for me is also Christ for my neighbor, who is Christ for me to serve. Right, you have that whole lecture of the concentric circles right. and all that. That's, but see, it's always about Christ. Right. You know, that is, that is it's, you know, who's doing the good works? It's, Christ, it's not me, but Christ who is in me that lives. You know, who am I serving? I'm not simply serving my neighbor. I'm serving Christ incognito in the lost and the broken and the, and the, the, the rejected of this world. Well, or as I always like to sum it up, if it's about you, it's not about Jesus. Right. <laughs> you know, and that gets to the heart of repentance. The, the, the heart of repentance is it's not about you. Right. It really you know, is. It's not about your feelings. It's not about, it's not about you doing anything. It's about you just basically dropping dead. <laughs> well, and I tell you, this is one of the things where I find so much sanity in the Lutheran faith that I didn't have before I was a Lutheran. Is, is that before it was all about my feelings and my, you know, do I feel saved today? Am I on the mountaintop? Boy, I feel like a backslider today because I, I, don't, I don't really feel the love of Christ today. I'd rather strangle my neighbor than love him. And, and, but as a Lutheran, I know that I am redeemed for Christ's sake. Even when I don't feel redeemed, I am still redeemed. And really, there's not a whole lot that I'm going to say about that apart from Christ has redeemed me, even if I don't feel redeemed today. Right. And so it's all it's all monergistic. It's it's justification, sanctification, it's all one way from God down. Well, it's also and it's also a state of being. It's not just simply you're justified. Yes. And and now, you know, now it's up to you to go and, and do the right stuff now now that you're justified. But we are continually Repentance is something continually worked in us, daily contrition and faith, and 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 uh, and we're continually being justified by the blood of Christ, and and because of that we're continually being sanctified, um, and so it, this is an ongoing, not a work in progress. This is just an ongoing thing. It's it's part of our existence. A um, couple of other outlines from Walther here that are great. Uh, he's got a number five. True Christianity. It consists, one, in Christian living, two, in true faith, and three, in a blessed death. <laughs> he, he comments, this outline is simply horrible. <laughs> State those three again. I'm trying one, to find it. One, in Christian living, two, in true faith, three, in a blessed death. I'm not sure what he means by Christian living. Well, he means what we've been talking Saint, about. Just sanctification. sanctification. Yeah, good. So, so in other words, it consists, one, in good works, two, in true faith, and three, in a blessed death. What's hmm. wrong with that? Well, see, he would. are you asking? No, I'm serious. I mean, I, I think a blessed death. Okay, here's what I'm hearing. Here's what makes it. Here's what I'm hearing is Christian living is law because you're probably not doing it. Ah, Faith is justification. Christ is doing it for you because faith is about its object, Christ. And a blessed death is the promise of faith that you will die and go to heaven. See, he would... Or he am would, I completely misunderstanding what Walter's getting at here? Yeah, I think you are. I mean, I think he would turn it around. To make this right, it would be one, that true Christianity consists in one true faith, two, in Christian living, and three, in a blessed death. That is, faith comes first. 
Okay. Otherwise, there will be no blessed death, and there won't be any Christian oh, living. Oh, okay. He's obsessed with the order of things. He, he really is. Yeah, he, he'd be a good Calvinist. <laughs> Ordo salutis all the way, you know. It's just all the... He's, he's very, very obsessed with that. Um, and in fact, I would prefer the confessions even better on this, that, that true Christian perfection consists, one, in our repentance, that we are contrite of our sins and sorrow over them, two, that we trust Christ for the forgiveness of our sins, and three, that we serve our neighbor in our vocation. You realize we just lost a third of our listeners when I said that Walter will be a good Calvinist. Yeah, well, you know. <laughs> that means we're down to four. We can find three somewhere. So, <laughs> Number six, another horrible outline. What must a person do to become assured of salvation? One, he must amend his life and become a different man. Two, he must repent of his sins. And three, he must also apprehend Christ by faith. Okay, that's, that's garbage. That's, that's, that's an outline very familiar to you. Yes, I grew up with that kind of yeah, garbage. That, that, yeah. <laughs> you want to talk about that a little bit? No, I'm trying to shake it. <laughs> <laughs> and so what's, yeah, it's, what, it's, that, it's that apprehending thing especially that's really, really nasty. Yeah. Is, is I have to go out and kind of wrangle Jesus and bring him down. And, and, and uh, you know, then uh, appropriate his forgiveness as if it's not given me freely. So how would you fix this? I'd say, shut up, don't preach that way. He says, the worst part is number three, for there is nothing that gives me greater... Um, uh, let's see, how is it possible to lead a better life when I've not yet reached that stage where I abhor right. sin and abominate a wicked life? Yes. And he says, the worst part is three... Uh, for there is nothing that gives me greater assurance of being saved than faith. Which, which number are you on here? It's the sixth. Uh, sixth subject of the person becomes sure of salvation. Uh, yeah, that's pretty bad. See, and, and he's but he's referring to the the, the pietism that, that he experienced himself too, where where amendment of life and becoming a different person was that was it. That was the big thing. Well, Pietism hasn't changed much over the years. You know, I, I was growing up. You had a really good conversion if you read a re, if if you led a really wretched life. I mean, if you were strung out on drugs and uh, visiting prostitutes every other weekend and and uh, you know dying in a gutter, rotting your brains out, and then all of a sudden you have this big conversion experience. Now you are more qualified for the ministry. Than someone who grew up in the church and has always just kind of yeah. faithfully shown up and heard the gospel. And, Th- this reminds know. me of a conversation that I had with somebody once who told me his personal testimony, you know, the, the story of his conversion. And, uh, and, and I listened to it, and I mean, who's going to argue? That's his, own, that's his experience, you know? I mean, how, how can I argue with this? And uh, then I told him mine. You know, that I was baptized when I was five weeks old. I grew up in a Christian family. I've never known a single day where I did not know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, and I'm thankful for that. And he kind of looks at me and he goes, it's not supposed to work that way. <laughs> you can't grow up that way. Yeah, no, you, you, you can't be a believer all your life, I guess. We're, we're a bit over time. i got to call it quits here. But I will close with this. Galatians 2.10, only they asked us to remember the poor. The very thing I was eager to do. There it is. We'll talk he's to you next vindicated. time. I'm the God Whisperer. Jesus is a friend of mine. Jesus is my friend. Jesus is a friend of mine. I have a friend in Jesus. Jesus is a friend of mine. Jesus is my friend. Jesus is a friend of mine. He taught me how to live my life as it should be. 